On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to be reviewing a TV commercial by well-known evangelist Franklin Graham, and we're going to talk about some things we agree about, some things we disagree about. And then we've got a unique challenge at the end of the program. Stay with us as we begin the Virtual Bible Study. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday night uh, october the 20th 2022 my name is greg quinn joining me tonight on the virtual bible study josh mccord josh welcome Greg, thanks for having me. And behind the board, as always, Kyle Barnes. Kyle, yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for your help tonight, yeah. man. Uh, we had an unusual week off last week. We usually we don't typically do that, but uh, we had a gospel meeting going on here at College View last week. We had a really good gospel meeting, and uh, lots of good sermons were preached, but we just decided that we were not going to try to rush around and, and get done with the gospel meeting in time to conduct a virtual Bible study session last Thursday night. So that's why we weren't on the air, but we're glad to be back tonight. Now, if you haven't had a chance to avail yourself of those sermons already, you can go to our other YouTube channel, College View Live Stream, and you'll be able to look at the archives of those sermons that were preached last week. They were really, really good, and I think you'll appreciate if you take if you have time and you take the time uh, to listen to one or more of those uh, sermons. Josh, we had a good gospel meeting. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, a lot of really good lessons, and if, if you check those out, as you mentioned, I think you'll uh, you'll appreciate the lessons that were brought, and I think they're really applicable to everyday life, and so that that really means a lot. Yeah. All right, so we're doing something a little different tonight. Uh, we want to review a TV commercial that has aired, produced by the the uh, I guess it's the Billy Graham Evangelical. Uh, organization. Of course, Billy Graham is long since dead, and I'm probably going to say his name when I mean to be saying the name of his son, Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham has been producing a number of TV commercials uh, for the last several months. I've seen them a number of times, maybe while watching a football game or something, you know, uh, and and they're out there quite a bit. In fact, I saw where a one of one of his typical commercials airs. 1,800 times in 30 days. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm not sure my math is always excellent, but if I calculate right, that's 60 times a day. So they're really getting out there. Obviously, the Billy Graham Evangelical Organization is uh, uh, wealthy. they got a lot of money mm-hmm. to spend, and they're spending a lot of money, and they probably are getting a message out to a lot of people. Uh Sad to say, the message is not 100% accurate. Right. I wonder what a 30-second ad goes for. 
Well, I suppose it depends on the time of day and and, and what, what the program is or yeah. what event it is. You know, uh, if if you were advertising during the big Tennessee win over Alabama last oh. Saturday, <laughs> it might cost you a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. They said 11 million people are watching it, so yeah. that's probably true. All right, uh, I, had, I had to get that in there, Josh. I, 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 I just had to get that in. There. I, I won't stop you. <laughs> um, so what we did is we we picked one. There's a there's a whole lot of these commercials available, and you can see them online if you do just a simple search. We picked one of them, and I think Kyle is going to be able to put this up on the screen while I read the 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 specific ad that we want to analyze tonight. Uh, Kyle, are we able? Can you see it? Okay. All right. So here's what this commercial said. Hello, I'm Franklin Graham. Maybe your heart has been gripped by fear, as millions of others have, because of this coronavirus pandemic. But I want you to know that God loves you. He made you and created you. He knows everything about your life. You don't need to be afraid. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've never trusted him as your Savior, you can pray right now to do that. Just simply pray this prayer. Quote, God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I want to invite him to come into my heart, into my life. I'm willing to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name, unquote. If you prayed that prayer, call this number that's on the screen and do it right now. We've got someone who will pray with you and talk to you, encourage you. God bless you. All right. So that's the ad. And so we just we just published that text to our update list earlier today. And we asked three simple things. Number one, in that in that text or in that ad that we just read, what do you agree about? What What is in there that you would agree with? Secondly, what is in there that you might disagree with? And then third, I think this is going to be a, an interesting challenge, and I hope a lot of our listeners will, will try to participate in this. Either uh, you can call us or at the end, wait till the end of the program to do this, or you can or you can just put a quick note uh, in an email or get in the chat room. Uh, tell us what you what what maybe you don't have to give us a full text, but what main points would you want to convey if you had? A 30-second commercial on national TV. We're going to give you 30 seconds on national TV. What would you want to say? What message would you want to convey? I think that's a pretty neat challenge, and we'll try to do that at, at the end of the program. All right, so let's start out. Uh, remember, you can participate on the program tonight by getting in the chat room. There's a live chat room right by the video window that you're watching. If you're watching on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Get in there, add your comments in the chat room. You gotta log in. You can use your real name or you can use a pen name. Uh, just, uh, just get in there and give us your comments as we go along. You can send us an email. Josh will be watching the email inbox. Uh, if you, we've got a few emails already. And, uh, if you want to send an email, Josh will be watching for that. And then you can always call us at 931-381-4567. And we'll try to, we'll try to get you, uh, live and on the air if you want to do that. So I, I didn't know how to handle these emails exactly, uh, uh, Josh, but I thought I'd just start out by reading them, and then maybe we'll add our comments uh, at the end. Dwight in Iowa says, concerning what he agrees with, he said, I would agree that God does know us. We We were wonderfully made by him. God wants only the best for each and every one of us. However, God is just. 
He does love us and expects us to be obedient. We should put our faith and trust in him, especially with this pandemic. Many have turned from God doing what they think is best for themselves and others, even to the point of not properly worshiping God and even forsaking the coming together. Many have forsaken the Lord and the church due to fear. Granted, we need not fear this pandemic, but as with any disease, we should respect them and use good common sense regarding them. Ethan uh, says, uh, things I agree with, there was a pandemic that caused fear. Two, God does love everyone. This can be seen in Matthew five forty three through 48, when Jesus said he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Also, Second Peter 3, 9, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, and, of course, John three sixteen. Third, God did create everyone. That's seen in Genesis 1 and 2. And finally, what I agree with, when Graham says he knows everything about your life, this is true. Psalm 139, verse 16, and maybe some exceptions like Brother Gwynn has pointed out on past programs regarding providence of God. And then our friend Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says, I agree with Mr. Graham that God loves us, that he made a provision for us in sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to make an offer of salvation from sin from sin to the to lost accountable people, John three sixteen and Hebrews two verse nine. So I, th- I think most everybody that that uh, emailed in pretty much on the same page there. Well, there's, you know, this is what I th- is really important to note. I think Franklin Graham is wrong on lots of points. I would label him as a religious false teacher. But not everything he says is false. And that's what presents the challenge, I think, a lot of times, uh, Josh, is, you know, well, Franklin Graham says God loves us. I think God loves us. Mm-hmm. He, what he says is true. So he must be an okay guy. you know. And so all Satan has to do is just corrupt a, 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 a critical detail in the message that someone presents Satan's satisfied for a whole lot of truth to get out there, right. just as long as it's corrupted enough that it won't save people. Well, I I was thinking about all the way back in the Garden of Eden when he came to tempt uh, Eve and Adam and ultimately caused them to sin. You know, he the way that he did it, he didn't just come out with outright uh, lies. I mean, he's real subtle, right? The yeah. Bible mentions that. And then yeah. he, he only added one word, really, to that phrase, thou shalt not surely die. Um Obviously, it changed the whole meaning. But to your point, when whenever there's going to be false teaching, usually there's there's a whole lot of truth in there, yeah. and then key points are wrong, and that and that really taints the whole message. I think that's right, and so that's I think that's a point we want to really stress. Just because someone says some things that are right doesn't make them a a, a true messenger of God's will uh and, and of course that's a challenge for all of us all right. of us is make sure we're t- teaching the truth the whole truth and nothing but the okay. truth you know as they say in the court of law uh all right so uh franklin graham starts out by saying maybe your heart has been gripped by fear as millions of others have because of this coronavirus pandemic i i didn't really want to comment too much about the the coronavirus but it has been a big challenge and we've talked about it a lot over the last two, two and a half years, uh, it's really changed people and it's changed churches and it's caused a lot of harm. Uh, 
I don't know, maybe we'll learn if, if something like that happens again in the future, maybe we'll do a better job of addressing it. But we yeah. were in uncharted territory there. Right. And, For sure. And, and uh, uh, even good people in good churches, I think, made some mistakes about how they handled it. But I, I, I'm not really too interested in that. He says, so Graham goes on and says, I want you to know that God loves you. That's true. It's absolutely true. There's, 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 there's no way anybody could deny that. Right. Yeah. Somebody referenced John three sixteen. It says God so loved the world, and, and and because of His great love, He was willing to send His Son, and then Jesus, because of His love, was willing to come. So there's, there's no doubt that God loves us. Yeah. And you know, uh, sometimes people are quick to cast a, a an accusation against God. Why is God doing this? You know. Uh, maybe even some thought that because of the pandemic. Why is God sending this pandemic on the world? Well, uh, you know, I, I always try to refer people to the, as you did a minute ago, to the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God had, when everything was just the way God wanted it, you remember mm-hmm. it says there at the end of Genesis, when God saw what he had created and it was very good, it was perfection, ideal. And the thing that changed it wasn't God. It was when men violated the will of God, when Satan was able to encourage people to violate the will of God. But even at that, then God turned around and made a a way of escape. He provided a means to be reconciled to him. He provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and have eternal salvation. So there's there's no way that any right-thinking person could deny that God loves us. And so uh, Franklin Graham is absolutely right about that. And then the second thing he said is he made you and he created you. I, I don't know. That's a little bit that's sort of redundant. Yeah, I thought I guess. the same thing when I read it. Like, okay. <laughs> but, but, I mean, we believe that. that that's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we would, we would side right up with Franklin Graham to oppose uh, the atheistic evolutionist who says that we are here just as a accident of nature, you know, yeah. just a random chance evolution. We don't believe that. And, and Graham is right. He made us. He created us. Uh, and uh, as I think Ethan in his email said, you can go back and look at Genesis 1 and 2. we got the full story there. What's really interesting about the Genesis story of creation is that it's really old. Uh, we think that Moses... Well, we know Moses wrote the four, first five books of the Old Testament, and we think, and we would date that at about 1,500 years before Christ. We're about 2,000 years after Christ, so about 3,500 years ago, Moses wrote a, a creation account that still works. It still makes sense. It's not, it's not, it's not been disproven. It's not been outdated and cast off and substituted with something different. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would agree with Franklin Graham when he says. God made you. He created you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. There's a couple more things in his statement that we want to agree with. Uh, but, again, Franklin Graham, we're reviewing one of his many recent TV advertisements, trying to see what's good in it, but also what's dangerously bad about it. Stay with us on the Virtual Bible Study. We'll continue this review of a Franklin Graham commercial right after these brief messages. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Here's a quick thought. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. 
Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all flesh. Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 22. We need to pay attention to God to keep his words in our hearts. They're life and health, and there are blessings for keeping his instruction. Seize the day. Here's some thoughts worth pondering. The best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. What we need is neither negative thinking nor positive thinking, but realistic thinking. Thinking characterized by enough pessimism to trigger concern, enough optimism to provide hope. Drifting is characteristic of dead fish and a lot of people. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now back to the program. Now we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're reviewing a recent TV commercial by Franklin Graham. And as we've been pointing out, uh, there's, there's elements of truth in what he has to say. Got any comments in the chat room? We do. David says, I agree with God loves you. He made you and he created you. He knows everything about your life. He says, I also agree with I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then he says, Satan nearly always makes his temptations by including some truth from the Bible. That's right. You know, the, the old analogy, and I've heard preachers make this analogy for years, Josh. You know, rat poison has a very small percentage of poison. Yeah. Most of it's good food for a rat. And so he eats it because he likes what he's getting. But there's just a little <laughs> bit of poison in there, and it's enough to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's that, that's the analogy we get about truth and error. Well, or, or put a little bit of that in your food. Yeah. And maybe there's just one little speck in your yeah. food. Are you yeah. going to eat that plate? No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. All right. So we're talking quick. quickly. We want to conclude our analysis of things he said we agree with. So he loves you. He made you and created you. He knows everything about your life. Well, that's true. I mean, that, and and everybody needs to. Uh, really grasp that, that God knows everything. Uh, uh, Hebrews 4.13, for instance, says, Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There's nothing hidden from God. We need to know that that's so. Franklin Graham needs to know that. So, Josh, you need to. I need to know this. He knows what we teach, for instance, and he knows if we're being true to the word when we teach. That's just one of the things he knows about us, but he does know everything about our lives. Uh, I think that's absolutely true. And then he says, you don't need to be afraid. I think that is also correct. You don't need to be afraid. Many people are because they haven't. They haven't grasped the certainty of the Word of God. They haven't. They haven't. They haven't taken advantage of the assurance of salvation that is provided by knowing and doing what the Bible says. Yeah, you know, Paul wrote in Philippians four, uh, at verse six, "Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God." Uh, and then the next verse talks about the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. So. Uh, yeah, that statement is true. We don't have to be afraid of, of anything if we're on God's side. 
but the, but the part of that that now I think now he's beginning to transition into some things that are slightly not true. Yeah. You actually do need to be afraid if you have not learned and obeyed the will of God. That's right. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Exactly. Yeah, right. If you're not right with God, you absolutely should be afraid. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so uh, uh, our God is a consuming fire. Let's see where uh, I should have had that verse looked up already. Uh, the verse you quoted is Hebrews 10, uh, verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then I think... Uh, uh, well, I can't think of the other. I think the other one. Uh, uh, Behold, the goodness and severity of God is right. another quote from the scriptures. But so again, I think we've seen a little bit of transition in this message, going from things that are absolutely true to things that are it could go either way, depending on your yeah. status and your relationship with God. And I think that's true of the next phrase well as well jesus said i'll never leave you nor forsake you well that is a quote from hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 hebrews 13 5 and 6 says let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for he has said i will neither leave i will never leave thee nor forsake thee so we may boldly say the lord is my helper and i will not fear what man shall do unto me well that that promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that's a promise made to faithful Christians. And so, again, uh, we've got a little bit of an issue here with the way that Franklin Graham has used that because he has made that sort of all-encompassing to anyone and everyone. And it's actually, that's not a promise to everyone. Yeah, yeah. the way he words it is... You know, it's, and so you're reading the text and trying to figure out what he meant by it. But the way he words it, there's got to be some qualifiers there to yeah, it. Yeah. It's not just a blanket statement. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's it's sort of like if you offered a, a reward or a prize or something to someone who, who accomplished a certain task, it would be understood that the, that, that prize is only for those who meet the conditions of, of the contest. Sure. And, and that's the way we have to understand that the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake you, and you don't have to be afraid, is only to those who have faithfully applied themselves to learn and do the will of God as recorded in the pages of the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah, so if my relationship changes with God, it's going to be because of, what I've done, he's made promises, and his promises are sure, but if I don't hold up my commitment, then our relationship is going to be changed. I'm going to be separated from him, but it's not going to be his fault, and uh, I've chosen to leave him, and he's not going to continue to have you know, fellowship with me because I'm not right with him now. Yeah, so. and, and, and the, the, the message, the TV commercial that we're reviewing uh, doesn't really – get to the once saved always i mean it doesn't blatantly come out and teach once saved always saved although i would think maybe it's it's hidden in those last couple of statements but the new testament does not teach that even if you're once saved that you will necessarily always be saved it it clearly teaches that you can lose your salvation even after getting it so there's the condition of continued faithfulness if you want this promise i will never leave you or forsake you if you want that to be true well of course he will never leave us. He will never forsake us, but we can leave him and forsake him right. and, and then therefore sever the relationship. And so we got to be aware of that. All right. So that gets us to the heart of the matter. The part of the, the part of 
this TV commercial that is blatantly wrong and that we wholeheartedly disagree with. Let me read it to you again. Franklin Graham says, and of course, he's quoting his his father, and this Billy Graham really popularized this. Uh, he's, he didn't originate the sinner's prayer. I was doing a little reading today about how that sinner's prayer approach to salvation evolved over uh, quite, uh, many decades, but it goes back to the early mid 1800s. Some preachers began to teach mourners bench salvation. You mm-hmm. know, you know, come and plead with God, beg with Him to save you, and and, and, and it sort of evolved over many decades. Uh, uh, the Moody Bible Institute had some part in popularizing this, uh, but Billy Graham. I would argue that Billy Graham probably did more than anybody else to spread this notion, this false doctrine of the of the sinner's prayer for salvation. Let's read it again. He said, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've never trusted him as your Savior, you can pray right now to do that. Just simply pray this prayer. God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is your son, and I want to invite him to come into my heart, into my life. I'm willing to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, well, uh, let's let's do this again, Josh, and uh, and, and this will take us up to our, our mid-program break. But let's read what our emailers said about this. Kent in Georgia said, I disagree with Mr. Graham regarding the plan of, or conditions of salvation to which one must respond in order to be saved. While faith in Christ is important and a must for salvation, John eight twenty four, such is not the only condition that one must obey. Faith qualifies and or authorizes an individual to obey the gospel of Christ in becoming a recipient of salvation that is in Christ, John 1, 12, Hebrews 11, verse 6. The believer must repent, changes, change the mind, turn from sin, Acts 17, 30, 2 Corinthians 7, 10. He must confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, Acts 8, 37, Romans 10, 10, and be baptized for the remission or forgiveness of sins and into the New Testament church, Acts 2:38 and 47, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. In the New Testament of Christ, prayer was never given as a condition of salvation to non-Christians in order to be saved from sin, John 9:31. Prayer, in order to be forgiven, was assigned to fallen Christians to be forgiven of covenant sins and be restored to fellowship of Christ, Acts 8:22, 1 John 1, 7 through 10. That last point, just to clarify a little bit of what Kent's saying there. There is a sense in which we pray for forgiveness of sins, but that's to those who have already become come into a relationship with God through obedience to the gospel plan of salvation. So as a Christian, I don't become a Christian by praying, but as a Christian, when I subsequently sin, I pray for I repent and pray for forgiveness. And the perfect example, as Kent pointed out, uh, is the Simon the Sorcerer in Acts eight, verse twenty two. Uh, Dwight in Iowa says, the biggest thing I disagree with is what many call the sinner's prayer. As most of us know, this prayer of accepting Jesus into our hearts is not found in the Bible anywhere. We find in the scriptures what to do in order to come uh, in contact with the blood of Jesus, and it is not through an acceptance prayer. We do, however, need to be afraid if we haven't been found faithful and obedient to God. God is faithful to reward the righteous, but he's equally faithful to punish the unjust. And then uh, we talk, uh, Ethan sent in. Here are the things he says he disagrees with. He says, I begin to differ somewhere around the time when he says you don't need to be afraid. 
People should be afraid because their heart is not right with God. Regardless of whether the pandemic was politically motivated or not, if a person's heart is not right with God, it's in a terrible condition. Number two, Franklin Graham appears to be eluding the doctrine of once uh, eluding or uh, alluding, alluding to, I think he means, the doctrine of once saved, always saved. When he quotes from Hebrews 13, 5, the words God spoke when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. That's only half of the verse. It begins with make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. What if a person's heart is not free from the love of money? The scriptures clearly teach that a Christian can fall away. Perhaps most clearly in places like James 5, 19 and 20, Romans 11, 19 through 22. If a Christian has fallen away, they should likewise be afraid. They are also among the law. Number four, you see, he also makes mention of the phrase, invite Jesus into your heart. No such phrase is found in the Bible. And finally, number five, the sinner's prayer we see here is nowhere found in the Bible. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is there's only three examples of a sinner's prayer that I'm aware of. One is after King David sinned with Bathsheba and committed adultery. That's in Psalm 51. The second is Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, in a parable when the tax collector said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And the third, though the words of the prayer are not mentioned, is in Acts, or excuse me, in, yeah, in Acts 8, 22 through 24, when Simon the sorcerer was told to repent and pray after Peter bluntly told him his sin was not right with God, his heart was not right with God, Acts 8, 21. Each instance of these sinners' prayers were given by someone who had obviously already been a follower of the Lord by the time they prayed. A sinner's prayer is for the Christian who has sinned and fall away, not for the alien sinner, as Franklin Graham claims. So we, we want to bring that out a little more clearly. I, I think both Kent and Ethan mentioned that there is a sense in which some prayers, some sinners are to pray. That's not what Franklin Graham's talking about. Let's make sure we've got that pinned down. We'll do that when we get back from this break. Stay with us. We're going to continue to review this TV commercial by Franklin Graham after these messages. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When the Apostle Paul preached his famous sermon on Mars Hill in Athens, his teaching received three distinct reactions. Notice the reading here from Acts 17, beginning verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Do you see it? Some rejected the teaching immediately. Others procrastinated or withheld judgment and did nothing. But some enthusiastically accepted the truth and acted upon it. The same three reactions are in evidence to this day when people hear the preaching of the gospel. Consider this scenario. The preacher preaches a hard sermon that exposes sin and worldliness. It's one of those sermons that steps on toes and hits close to home. Some folks will grow angry. The things taught suggest the need to change, and they're not willing to do so. They are happy to hear preaching on things they already agree about, but if a lesson contradicts their existing views or practices, they get mad. They are like those in Athens who mocked. Some other folks will hear this same sermon, and while it plainly shows that there are things they need to change in their life, they postpone any action. These are the ones who commend the preacher as they go out the door saying, I really needed that, or you really stomped on my toes today, and yet they do nothing. They continue in their former ways, effectively saying, we will hear thee again of this matter. Thank God that there are those who are tender-hearted, those who are always looking to bring their life into closer harmony with the will of God. 
These are the folks who, upon hearing the truth, respond by putting it into practice in their lives. If it means changing from what they have previously believed, they will do so. Their commitment is to the Lord. Serving Him is their first priority. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. It's kind of ironic that I chose that that clip there with that verse in in uh, Hebrews thirteen five. I will never leave thee for, nor forsake thee. That's a promise God's made to His faithful children, and, and it is a, a very comforting promise to those who are doing the will of God. We want to remind you that the virtual Bible study is brought to you each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about the College View Church by going to our website collegeview.com. There's a lot of resources on there. Kyle, we got. Uh, Got a ton of information there if people want to avail themselves of it. Yeah, which uh, College View live stream, <clears throat> our other YouTube channel, which it's easy to find, which if you can spell College View, it's just spell it right in our search bar on YouTube. You'll find us really easy. A lot of studies on there, a lot of good things. We just studied Elisha on this past Wednesday night. And, yeah, we're studying these uh, the yeah. Bible characters. And, uh, and Elisha is a really unique one, and we studied yeah. him last night. Yeah, yeah, which it's a lot of good lessons, a lot of good lessons from, of course, the Bible, and we're breaking down stuff on the virtual Bible study here, and still, yeah, two sermons on Sunday and our Bible class on Sunday morning. So, yeah. and, and Wednesday night. And, then, yeah. but, and also those, those sermons from our gospel meeting last week yeah, are on there, yeah. too. They're all ready to go. All right. So there. take advantage of that. If you're anywhere close to us in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you come and visit us. Or if you happen to be passing through and on uh, travels, make a point to stop and join us for worship at the College View Church of Christ. And find out all about our times and our meeting place and all those other resources at collegeview.com. All right. We were talking about, I just want to, I hadn't really thought about this point of distinction when I, when I was thinking about this program, Josh. But we really want to make it clear that there, there, there is a prayer that some sinners are supposed to pray. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not right with God, <laughs> you want to get right with God after you've initially obeyed the gospel, then you should pray. And I, and I think the perfect example is referenced in Acts chapter 8 yeah. with Simon the sorcerer. He was, he was right with God because in verse 13 of Acts chapter 8, it says, Simon himself believed also when he was baptized. He continued with Philip wondered beholding the miracles and signs which were done so he believed and was baptized and there's no doubt that he was a saved man and then as that chapter goes on and he he started getting a little bit greedy because he saw them working miracles he wanted that power yeah uh and so then they they told him uh in verse 20 peter said that money perish with thee because thou hast uh, thought that the gift of god may be purchased with money thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter for thy heart is not right in the sight of god yeah and he said repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray god that's the key phrase. Pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So he was right with God. He sinned. And then he wasn't right with God. And Peter's uh, answer was, after he had believed him and baptized, and he sinned, and he was no longer right with God, Peter's response was, you need to pray to God and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. So to a person who is already a Christian, a person who has already been saved from past sins, as Simon the Sorcerer was in Acts 8, when you subsequently sin, then your instruction is pray to God. Right. So 
you know, I, I guess that's a, a, a sort of a side note that we need to qualify. There, there is a sense in which some sinners yeah. are instructed to pray for yeah. forgiveness, but not a person. And, and, and that's who Billy, uh, Billy Franklin Graham is is talking to people who've never right. named the name of Christ, never, you know, never invited Jesus Christ into their heart. Yeah. You know, if they've he, never done anything, and he's telling us anything. the initial, and response. he's saying this is the initial way to reconcile God, and it's not. Yeah. So I was thinking, uh, uh, I've always thought, I guess for a long time at least, that the best way to counter the sinner's prayer argument is to maybe look at the case of Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 9, I think our listeners know well the story of Saul of Tarsus. Uh, He was on the road to Damascus. He was actually going there with authority to arrest Christians. He was a ringleader in the persecution against the early church. But it says in Acts 9, verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So just just stop right there. You know, some people mistakenly claim that, that Jesus, that, that, Saul of Tarsus was saved on the road to Damascus. He was not. He was told to go in the city. It'll be told you what you must do. Uh, he hadn't done what he had to do yet. Yeah. And he would be told. He hadn't even been told what to do yet. He would be told in the city. Notice verse 7. The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. <clears throat> so after the experience with Jesus on the road, he is blinded, and he goes into the city for three days. He d- he's not eating or drinking. Hang on to that for a minute. But notice, at this point, he believes in Jesus. I think when he said, Verse 5, who art thou, Lord? He didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus identified himself, and Saul, verse 6, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me do? When he called him Lord that yeah. time, he called him Lord as a believer. So clearly, Saul of Tarsus is a believer at this point. Now keep reading, verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him uh, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. Uh, and the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Oh, wait a minute. He's praying. Did you get that right at the end of verse 11? Behold, he prayeth. He's a believer. He's been fasting for three days, and he's been praying. A believer, fasting and praying. Wow. Surely he's saved if Franklin Graham is right. He's he's praying to God. As a believer, he's praying to God. He has seen in a vision, verse 12, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Okay, so Ananias goes to him. And later in Acts, when Paul, Saul of Tarsus, Paul the Apostle, when he's retelling this story, later in Acts in chapter 22 at verse 16... He relates that uh, when Ananias came to him, he told him 
Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So here's a believer fasting and praying. He's not saved. He's still in his sins. And Ananias says, why are you waiting? Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. He was still in his sins. So the case of Saul of Tarsus, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, is, I think, ironclad proof that the sinner's prayer is not the way to get right with God. It didn't get Saul of Tarsus right with God. He had to be baptized in order to be saved. Right. I don't know if it's the best terminology, but I've heard this idea of just invite Jesus into your heart referred to as do nothing salvation. You just don't yeah. do anything. You just sit there and, and just ask Jesus into your heart. Yeah. Um, but that's not, that didn't originate in the mind of God. I mean, there's things that you must do. He had to be told things he must do. And part of that was being baptized yeah. and having his sins washed away. So as, as some of our emailers mentioned, are you, are you seeing anything in the chat room, by the way? Yeah. So one thing in the chat room from Brian in California, I think he's talking about the, the phrase about, um, where uh, Franklin, I also said Billy too, where he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, Christ will leave the rebellious transgressor. And he references Revelation 2, 5, makes clear the Savior would depart and cease fellowship with the church at Ephesus. Mentioned removing thy candlestick if they did not change. Yeah, I think you're right, Brian. I, I do think, as, as Ethan mentioned, that he was sort of alluding to the once saved, always saved doctrine, although he didn't really come out and, and develop that point. But yeah, he would believe that, and he would be wrong about that as well. But here, in regards to how you initially come to God, he's wrong about the sinner's prayer. And several of our emailers mentioned that sinner's prayer is nowhere in the Bible. Right. And it, it, it's almost like it's inspired text. You hear these guys reciting this verbatim over and over again. It's almost like they're getting it right out of the Bible it's like a quoted or yeah. a, a memory verse or something, quoting a memory verse or something. And it's not even in no, there. No, it's not there. You know, I did think about in Ephesians 3 and verse 17, Paul wrote and said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And he goes on with the text. So that's about the only place I can think of where it talks about Christ dwelling in your hearts. But Paul wrote that letter to the to the church at to, Ephesus, to, those, to those that were already Christians, and he talked about how you know the influence of the Lord would be with them, that he may dwell in your hearts. Nowhere in the Bible is anybody ever told, invite Jesus in your heart to be saved. It's just, it's just not there. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, that, and that's So this is, Franklin Graham's message here is dramatically wrong, and it's going to mislead people into believing yeah. That if they say that prayer, that's a, a, an invention of the of human wisdom. It's nowhere in the Bible, but he's going to convince people. He's got he's got a lot of undeserved credibility. He, he's going to convince people that if they do that, then they're okay. And 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 like you say, they don't really need to do anything. They just they've got it now. Yeah. And that's going to damn a lot of people's soul to hell. And Franklin Graham will be held accountable for misleading people to do that. They're going to, if people are going to stop seeking, they're going to stop looking. They don't think, they won't think they have to go any further than that. And they're going to be lost in hell because of it. I got one more thing here in this quote, uh, uh, Josh. The last thing. If you've prayed that prayer, call this number that's on the screen and do it right now. We've got someone who will pray with you, talk with you, encourage you. My big question would be why? Yeah. You know, if I'm saved by faith only, my question was why would I why would I need to call? You know, why would I need encouragement? 
Yeah. That's inconsistent. Right. Well, unfortunately for them, a lot of these guys, it's a business opportunity and money-making situation. So now that you're saved, I need you to call and support our ministry now. You can be sure that if you call them, they're going to get all your contact information. And you will never stop being solicited for donations to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association or whatever they call that thing. And so, but, you know, if he was true to his doctrine, he wouldn't add that last statement. Yeah, that's right. You don't need to do anything else. You've done all you need to do. You can just live the rest of your life now. You're done. Yeah, and so that that would be wrong in and of itself. Okay, so sort of in summary here, Josh, he starts out with some things we can agree mm-hmm. about wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but he fades away pretty fast into some dramatic false doctrine, and uh, I, I, I really think that that's a you know something that that. People need to be alerted to it. People who are really seeking God do not need to be deceived by by that message. Yeah, you really got to be perceptive because when you read through that, it's it's just pretty smooth how it comes out and and how he says it. it you know, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. But then you really take a look at it and you say, well, that's not right at all. It's not yeah. even close. Yeah, exactly right. Kyle, any thoughts on the sinner's prayer or what Franklin Graham has had to say? Yes, which this is not. We're not necessarily. I'm sure. He is convicted that he is right. And, you know, it's if you have that conviction that you're right, sometimes it takes a little pride to be understand that you're wrong. Yeah. And we're not trying to say he's a terrible person. He may just be very confused, but he needs to be re, he needs to be understand that the gospel is different from what he's saying. That's yeah. just, I think that's right. I think that's a good point to draw. We're, we don't know Franklin Graham. We, uh, you know, we've never met him. We don't have any idea what kind of uh person he is what, what kind of a kind or congenial or decent person he is i imagine he is uh we're just talking about his doctrine here we're, yeah. we're not we're not trying to attack yeah. him as a person that goes to anybody's doctrine if anybody who's reads the bible and says that wow this is different from what i'm teaching then change it and yeah. stop believing then stop that and start believing what the bible really says that's just, uh, uh, i appreciate you bringing that out kyle because th- there'll be some people who probably get angry with this oh how can you be attacking such a good man as franklin graham well we're not attacking the man we're attacking his message yeah yeah, yeah we because, actually want him to hear what we're saying and, yeah, and believe it yeah it's not tr- his message is not true to the word of god all right we're going to grab our last break when we come back now <laughs> we're going to spend our last few minutes challenging you to think about what would you want to include if you had it we're going to grant you 30 seconds what on on super bowl on the super bowl what a 30 second ad goes for like two or three million dollars we're going to give you 30 seconds on the super bowl what would you want to say if you were given that opportunity we'll do that when we get back from this last break stay with us on the virtual bible study Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A new poll from Gallup finds that most Americans believe that legal abortion is, quote, morally acceptable, unquote, for the very first time in polling history even though an overwhelming majority still oppose abortions in the third trimester of pregnancy and a majority oppose abortion in the second trimester. That information is via the Christian Post, June 7th, 2022. 
The word of God says in Proverbs 16, beginning verse 16, these things doth the Lord hate, hands that shed innocent blood. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. Okay, so for our final exercise here, we want to ask, what would you say if you were given a free 30-second spot on national TV? And we'll do the same thing here that we did with the other questions. We'll read what our emailers said, and, and we'd love for you to, to get in the chat room or send a quick email, but we, uh, just give us point. you got just 30 seconds, Josh. You can't do you can't a lot of time. you can't go all the way around the horn. You gotta you gotta get to it quickly. Here's what Kent says he would say. In a thirty second spot I would seek to persuade non Christians that indeed God does love them and send his only begotten son Jesus Christ to make an offer of salvation to all lost individuals to be saved from sin. John three sixteen and seventeen, Hebrews two nine. I would sincerely attempt to convince individuals that one must believe on Christ, John eight twenty four. But that faith is a but but that while faith is a must for salvation, such is not sufficient, John 1, verse 12. To be saved, believers in Christ must repent, change the mind, turn from sin, Acts 17, 30, 2 Corinthians 7, 10. They must confess the deity of Christ, Romans 10, 10, Acts 8, 37, and be baptized for the remission or forgiveness of sins and into the one true spiritual body of Christ that contains all saved individuals, the one true New Testament church, Acts 2, 38 and 47, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13. And that after becoming a New Testament Christian, they must be faithful to Christ, Revelation 2, verse 10. That includes identifying, worshiping, and working with a faithful non-denominational, undenominational, anti-denominational, local autonomous New Testament church or assembly of New Testament Christians. I tell you, kids, you're not going to get all that in in 30 seconds. That's all wonderful stuff. It's all good. (laughs) That's all wonderful stuff, but you're not going to get that in 30 seconds. All right. So I'm going to give Kent, although I'm going to give him, an A-plus for content. I'm going to have to fail him on the 30-second rule. He can't get that in 30 seconds. Dwight in Iowa says, anytime we're given the spotlight, we need to use our time wisely. In the case of a pandemic, I would remind those to put their faith and trust in the Lord. Do not stop worshiping God, our Creator. He watches out for us in good times as well as bad. Put God first, other seconds, ourselves last. Encourage people to continue to do what's right. I think it's interesting that Dwight took the the approach of what about fear induced by the the pandemic and so that's interesting uh and then ethan said if i had a 30 second tv commercial i would one tell people they need to get their heart right with god and two offer the plan of salvation with a verse for each for each point uh i think that's right ethan and you might be able to do that ethan you might get that in 30 seconds okay i want to toss it to you josh Give me right. your 30 second commercial. All right. I practiced before I came in. I timed myself. How long did you get it in? <laughs> about 30? 30, about 35. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I just said that I would say, don't take my word for it. Look up these verses to know what you need to do to become a Christian. Romans 3:23 tells us that we've all sinned. Romans 6:23 tells us the consequences. Romans 10:17 tells us that we need to have faith. We get that by believing in the Word of God. We need to repent of our sins, 2 Peter 3, 9. We need to confess our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then I would say that we need to listen to what Jesus said, be baptized like he taught in Mark 16, 15, 16. And then I would just close by saying, don't follow any man's plan. Don't even take my word for it. Just look these verses up and become a Christian today the way the Bible tells you to. Good. Excellent. Excellent. You got that in 35 seconds when you were really trying well, I can't talk as fast as they do in some of those commercials, or I could have got that in 10 or 12. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
So here's what I put down. And I'm not sure I could get mine in 30 seconds uh, either. But I said, God wants everyone to be saved. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says he's not willing that any should perish. And he made a way where you don't have to perish. John 3.16, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. But to take advantage of his love, you need to follow the plan that he instituted. Now, there's something you have to do. It's not by faith only. James 2.24 says we're not saved by faith only. There's a very distinct and simple to understand plan of salvation. Hear the truth, Romans 10.17. Believe it, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Repent of your sins, Luke 13.3. Confess your faith in Jesus, Romans 10, verse 10, and be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. That's how one is saved from sin. Did you tell me? I didn't. You didn't tell <laughs> <I should've>. me. <laughs> Kyle, have you, got a, have you got a 30 second spot? No, no, I don't. But what I would just... you want to put in it if you had the 30 seconds? Well, I say put aside your own think so's, read your Bibles, and basically just don't take what your teacher, don't take what your preacher is telling you at face value. You know, read your Bibles, study your Bibles. Um, I, I think that I think that would be really good yeah. to stress because people are it, it's a huge problem religiously. People are just trusting their own think so's. Now, you, you, you don't do that with your physical health. You don't do that with your investments or your money. You know, you, you, don't, you, you want to really research that out yeah. and make sure everything. In other words, if this doctor tells me, in other words, I've, I've got, you know, I've got a broken leg and he tells me to, to drink orange juice every morning to fix it. I was, that doesn't sound right to me. I'm not going to follow. I'm going to check that out. I don't think drinking orange juice fixes my broken leg. Right. You know, so you know, we would challenge that. We would want to make sure it's right, and we got to do that religiously. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if we really wanted, I guess, be catchy, we could probably just start our ad out by saying, "There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible." If you can yeah. show that to me, you'd be yeah. my friend. Let's talk about the real way that the Bible says to become a Christian. That's yeah. probably how we could get people's attention. Yeah. Um, and then try to point them to the truth. And all mm-hmm. the comments that everybody made is is good because. Franklin Graham says is saying all these things, and he referenced not one Bible verse. I mean, he 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 mentioned, "I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee," which is a Bible verse, but he didn't quote from any scripture about what you need to do to be saved. It was just oh, this that's a good point. this sales pitch that has been repeated by these denominational preachers, and everybody, all of us, and and all the people that commented, we're pointing people to the Bible. That's what we want to do, not what yeah. Josh thinks yeah. or Greg. I mean, yeah. we're pointing people to the Bible. I think that's really a good point, and I and and uh, I uh, I didn't really focus on that, but you're exactly right. When it comes to what you must do, in other words, if you if you never so he starts that out by saying if you never invited Jesus into your heart, if you never trusted him as your savior, then he goes on to describe what to do. And in that section, which is the most important part of his message, right? When you agree, that's the most important part of what he was trying to get across. <clears throat> He never references the scripture, and he actually makes up a prayer that's not even found in the Bible. Uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Crazy I know. stuff. Yeah. I know. Well, we didn't get any takers in the chat room. <laughs> well, uh, well, Brian in California had a couple comments. He okay. said, um, well, I already read the first one. He said, we know in Acts chapter 2 that those who repented and were baptized were added to the church. The Grahams never equated the kingdom to the church. They see no singularity where the church is concerned. The church is a distinct, blood-bought institution. 
Okay. I think, I think you're exactly right, Brian. Well, you're going to see these ads. I, I've got a, 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 an idea that uh, Franklin Graham and the Graham uh, Evangelistic Organization has probably made some significant inroads with people, and uh, I, I got to believe that their their ad campaign is a pretty successful thing that they're doing. They're probably going to keep doing that, and you know this. I was thinking, Josh, that this might actually open a door for us to talk with friends, neighbors, coworkers, relatives, you know, especially if we might happen to be someplace with someone when one of those ads yeah. pops up. We say, you know, that's not right. Yeah. What, what do you, just what said do you think that, about that? Or what do you think about that? Or, you know, uh, if uh, who knows how the situation might develop, but it actually might provide an opportunity, an open door for us to tell somebody yeah. the truth. Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus used opportunities that he was in in order to turn people. Of course, he was the master teacher in order to turn people to the truth. And so yeah. maybe maybe you're right. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to hear this and be able to turn people, you know, actually the Bible says, uh, and then tell them what it says. Yeah, exactly right. We're just about out of time. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the virtual Bible study tonight, and we hope that our study has been helpful and encouraging. My guess is that for the vast majority of those who are listening, this is not new ground. We haven't been plowing new ground here, but, uh, we've just dealt with something that's prevalent in our, in our media, a lot of people being influenced by it. Uh, we, we need to make sure we got our swords sharpened to, to fight against false doctrine. Yeah. Josh, any final thoughts? No, I think, I think we covered it well. I mean, uh, again, false teaching sometimes has a little bit of truth, but then what's wrong about it is what ruins the whole message. And we need to make sure we're right on especially all, all biblical topics, but especially in telling people what they need to do to be saved. Make sure we do it ourselves. Make sure we're teaching people right. Exactly right. Kyle, final thoughts? No, no. Good study. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Josh, for it, helping us get the virtual Bible study out there tonight. Thank you all for listening. Lord willing, we'll be back next Thursday night for another episode of the Virtual Bible Study. Until that time, read and study your Bible. Live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.